0: Welcome to the Cannabis Supply Chain Podcast. My name is Patrick Aylward. We're hosted by Yacht Solutions, and we're here to engage with our community to understand multiple perspectives in order to make impactful changes through conversation. We appreciate you listening in and tuning. If you'd like to follow and subscribe to the podcast, check out Yacht Solutions' webpage, and whoever we're interviewing for today's episode, we would really appreciate that. And we thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Cannabis Supply Chain Podcast. My name is Patrick Aylward. We're hosted by Yacht Solutions, and I'm very pleased to say that we are hosting State Rep Juanita Brent, who is in the Cleveland Heights in, is it Beachwood District? Yep, which is District 22. Cleveland Heights, <laughs> University
1: Heights, Shaker.
0: Shaker Heights, cool. Yes. And she has been doing that since 2019. She, usually, she previously came from the federal government, and I got to give it to you, uh, coming out of Cleveland Heights area, uh, that's got to be a tough win to get. I lived in Strongsville for a little bit, and I drove back and forth from Cleveland throughout my uh, adult life. That's pretty cool that you're a state rep for District 22. Was it a, a hard fight to get that win?
1: Yes, it was a hard fight um, for this win to, to have to so meet people who are engaged voters.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell uh, listeners a little bit about yourself or a little bit about kind of like um, how you came to be so willing to speak to the cannabis industry? I oftentimes find it hard to get a hold of local politicians, which I appreciate um, your willingness. When I discovered you or met you or however you want to think about it, um, you were very... forward in telling the crowd that we were the ones that needed to get our politicians to engage. So I find it very interesting that you are so transparent and forthright with like what you do on a daily basis. So I thought it would be cool for our listeners to kind of hear what it took you to get where you're at and kind of like what you're doing on a daily basis.
1: I appreciate that. So for me, I saw so many people who were affected by being in a space of cannabis, no matter if it's people who were trying to be in the cultivation field and they wanted to get a license or people who were returning citizens who were affected by what happened with the cannabis space. And so I just saw that as we look for, as the state is looking for ways to increase revenue income for our tax base, cannabis to me, was just the obvious thing. And we need to kind of right our wrongs when it comes to happening for cannabis, because all we've been doing here within the state is criminalizing a plan. And so one of the bills that I introduced was hospital 60, which would allow autism to be a, me- a medical qualifying condition for autism patients. And it stemmed from literally me meeting a mom who had been calling multiple people across the state house. And we sat on the phone for two hours, she poured out our heart. And I said, I'm gonna be with you to the wheels fall off. And we've been in this journey ever since.
0: Oh, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, there's so many testimonials that really kind of get people out of their seats. That's definitely something that I've learned uh, is real helpful. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Bridget, but her work towards uh, just getting our stories out there is incredibly important. Um, This one will be a little bit different since we get to speak with a state rep. So um, my typical second question is kind of what it takes you to be here. And I would like for you to speak on that. But if we could just stay, um, I don't know. Yeah, just tell us what it takes for you to be a state representative and kind of do what you do on a daily basis. Because like I said, you're definitely more transparent than most politicians or most people I would pay attention to at least.
1: Well, it's definitely a thing of intentionality to be a state rep and speak on issues that sometimes people feel like they're uncomfortable because I knew I wanted to be a voice. And I knew sometimes being a voice for people for different topics meant that I was going to have to be in a place of constant uncomfortability because it's not always going to be people standing next to me, but I knew the people were still supporting it. So me saying the word cannabis and potentially telling people I support cannabis and not a weed. Is because for one, we need to get people out of those stigmas of using what sometimes people will consider as a racial slur, and that's using the word, you know, marijuana or weed. Just certain vernaculars, and just being that real, true advocate, and then showing up and showing what transparency is like, and showing people like, well, what do I do with my time to back up what I say?
0: Yeah, I find it really cool. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely uh, feel like I'm having my eyes open when I'm uh, like logging onto Instagram and checking your uh, daily stories out. Um, What kind of do you think we as like patients of Ohio and then citizens of Ohio kind of need to focus on or need to show up and do to to get the results that we want? I mean, when you speak to patients of the current program, you'll hear some frustrations. And as we spoke uh, off camera before I started recording, uh, adult use is something that many interests or many uh, constituents are interested in. So what do you think we need for our, our future here in Ohio?
1: I think people have to be very consistent, and that's particularly having those lobby days and getting in front of the, the legislators privately, individually, and then also coming as a collective. We have so many times where people are saying that they have a concern, but they don't show up to the State House, they don't reach out like they should, and they kind of work with key people like myself. But I always tell people there's 132 of us between the House and the Senate, and everyone needs to be touched in some type of way to understand that the sense of urgency within our state to to address these issues.
0: So when I like speak to processors and cultivators in the state of Ohio, from a packaging standpoint, they'll oftentimes tell me that I need to find ways to disrupt their daily work or disrupt what is habitual to them. Do you find that the same thing for us as citizens trying to get to you? Did you say it was one hundred and thirty-two of you guys? One
1: hundred and thirty-two. Yes. Okay.
0: Is it the same thing, or is it pretty straightforward? Because I have found that if I email each one of your got each state reps, um, like Ohio webpage that one of their assistants will get back to me in a relatively you know, normal fashion?
1: Yes, I think people need to come with direct action calls from their representative, not just reaching out because you could reach out, be one person, but there are certain topics where I can receive 200 plus emails about that same topic. I've never received 200 plus emails regarding cannabis ever. So I might have maybe like one to five, but if you're talking about 200 plus emails coming from different people, particularly within my own district or even outside of my district, that's a huge impact. And it makes people think like we need to take this seriously.
0: Well, you got my brain going a little bit away from our interview and I'm a little bit more personal. Would you be able to use uh, like a mail subscription service to do that? Like if I were to go out and acquire all of our state reps emails and then apply them to like a a MailChimp service to get those emails out consistently? Yeah, I think that would
1: be a, a good thing.
0: Okay, all right. that, that might be one way to get a group of people together, kind of get us on the same page, and then reach many of you at, at once. Um, how about um, talking about showing up for Senate Bill 9 and, and anything else? Do you think that that is a part of I think the that important- is so
1: vital. Senate Bill 9 is a conglomerate of many different policy ideas when they come. To cannabis, no matter if it's my bill, of House Bill sixty, which will allow people to have autism as a qualifying condition, medical condition, or you know, some of our other bills that have come through the House or the Senate through the years, and and Senator Huffman has just put it into one big bill. So people need to give feedback because those would be, that would really just that Senate Bill of mine is really going to change it when it comes to cannabis. And one thing we realize is that if you're not allowing more patients to get into the system. It doesn't matter how many cultivators you have. I mean, you're just going to make it harder if you can't get more patients into the system. then that's where we're having a problem with the lack of patients because we're not opening up the conditions within a stable Ohio.
0: Yeah, definitely. I find it very uh, eye opening that we have mm-hmm. a, a 500,000 plus patient count, but we only have 175,000 or so uh, actually making purchases. I know from um a dispensary perspective cuz that's what I did for the last 3 years was work at the retail level. Um there oftentimes it seems to be like there is a miscommunication between the state, the doctor and the dispensary. So, you know, patients will show up with a condition um like trying to fight glaucoma for uh, a- an example and their doctor won't give them any kind of reference to what medications they should purchase because it's so much more open than a traditional pharmaceutical um, lane would be. So you come in and you have to make those decisions in person. And I find that that uh, is another layer of disconnect that creates uh, displeasure for patients. So they might show up and make a purchase at the beginning, but then they don't come back because they're never adequately educated from point A mm-hmm. to point B. And they're just made to feel as if, you know, we need to purchase this half ounce or whatever the bud tender might be selling them. Um, So I find that that is another frustrating part where I'm not sure if Senate Bill 9 uh, helps address all of those issues.
1: See, the thing is people have to realize, and I even tell my colleagues this, there's a difference between having um, availability and people having access. Mm -hmm. And so theme might be, you know, you might have access to theme, but it might be, I mean, you might have availability, but you might not have ease of access to that. And so these dispensaries, like there's moratoriums in certain cities, like, you know, where you cannot have a dispensary in that area or there's um, high fees to go along with it. So it, it becomes a hindrance to our patients where patients are having to go really far. And the reason why we have such low amounts of patients that are actually utilized in our medical program because they're just going out of state. And that's becoming a new trend. They get the medical cars here in the state, and then they go to another state to buy their products. And so that's really hurting Ohio because we're not as competitive as we could be when the states that are to our to the north and east of us are have way better competitive rates of products.
0: I um pay attention to multiple places, not all the time, but sometimes. And I know uh, because of having some family and close friends in the Wisconsin area, that they'll have state representatives. Um, do YouTube videos and, and tweet from uh, locations that are across the border over in Illinois. Um, do you think that there's a big connect, big disconnect from like the Cleveland area versus the Cincinnati area? Because I, as a again from the dispensary standpoint, I would have patients come in all the time that would purchase in the Cincinnati area because driving to Michigan was uh, you know overly burdensome on them. But then you'll go and speak with dispensaries in Michigan, and they're always talking about getting Ohio folks.
1: Yeah, I think there there's a thing of people who probably live in areas where they're not close to another area, they don't feel like they have any other choices, um, but definitely I know, and we talked about this with our Toledo delegation about people who are driving through Toledo to get to Michigan, and the traffic of people going back and forth is not, people aren't even stopping through Toledo, they're literally going through Toledo, and they're specifically going when people are getting stopped for different reasons, because they're going to Michigan for for cannabis. For medical
0: and adult use cannabis. Yeah, for so sure, that's, that's, that's
1: really a barrier.
0: It's a very large barrier. I think. Um, I think being able to create more. I think you said it as access is a a, a really intelligent way to go about speaking on the topic because. You might be able to, like you said, get to a dispensary, but being able to get in it or afford the products or afford the process it takes to get your card might be a whole nother barrier to entry that prevents uh, plenty of people who really need the product getting in. Um, what um, what can you kind of educate us on from uh, like a motivational standpoint? I know you've said that uh, you'll get emails from different groups throughout the state, but not as many from the cannabis And it's kind of unfortunate because I think it does, you know, on a surface level, kind of uh, offer up that stigma that we might be lazy. And I definitely know all the cannabis people I've met are not lazy. Um, So, yeah. uh, What do you have to say or what do you uh, can touch base on that?
1: Well, I definitely don't think the people in the cannabis space are lazy. I think sometimes they might move in a little bit more silence than other groups. And I, I always tell people you have to move in a spirit of boldness that this is important and people have to be consistent on why they feel like this is important. There was a group of parents that I knew who felt like a certain book needed to be banned and they kept sending emails to the state until we put pressure to address these different concerns. There are groups who will keep sending you emails. People in the cannabis space have to be consistent in a safe place of boldness to say why this needs to be the top quality for our state for so many reasons. Like there needs to be cannabis education in school. There needs to be you know, more access, that more patients can become part of medical. There needs to be access so we can also have adult use. We need to, you know, decide on how our tax mechanism is, is gonna be set up that's gonna better benefit um, socially disadvantaged communities. There's so many different things, but you have to keep putting that at the forefront of when you're reaching out to your elected officials because the, the squeaky wheel, you know, gets the most attention. And so this is not something that always comes to the forefront when it comes to things.
0: I really like that uh, analogy. The squeaky wheel gets the attention. Um, Have you ever thought of, or can you shed light on becoming or what lobbyists really do? It's something that I have like learned more about from uh, uh, getting into the cannabis space. And I recently met some lawyers who are trying to uh, get into the dispensary space who told me that they were lobbyists. Mm -hmm. And it really just kind of caught my attention as something um, because Prior to cannabis, you know, coming up, uh, I always kind of thought lobbyists were bad because in my brain, I would think like, you know, uh, tobacco lobbyist and big alcohol lobbyist and pharmaceutical lobbyists. But when I think about somebody lobbying on behalf of cannabis, that actually sounds like something I could get behind. And you seem to have a, a pretty good and a, uh, educated disposition on the topic. Have you ever thought about putting down the state rep and going, going to bad as a lobbyist?
1: Oh, man, don't get me started with that. But I will tell you, lobbyists have been such a key for education for me. And if you ever looked at my social media, I've taken tours of cultivation centers or even dispensaries where people were like, take all the pictures you want because they want people to understand that we are coming to better understand um, and learn from these subject matter experts. And so, you know, lobbyists are key. Not all lobbyists are bad. And so there's a the lobbyist for everything. Like, trust me, if, no matter if it's the texture of your hair, no matter if it's You know how many school books there should be at a school there's a lobbyist for every for everything and so i feel like the cannabis lobbyists are no different than anybody else but i will tell you there's there's not any lobbyists in ohio that does just cannabis so most of the cannabis lobbyists work on that plus they have other clients that work on multiple other things so that's kind of like one of maybe 20 different clients that they have Um, And so people have to realize, too, that they have to complement what these cannabis lobbyists are already doing and show up and just try to figure out how can build that relationship and not just rest upon that one lobbyist who also has 19 other clients to be concerned about simultaneously.
0: Yeah, that's really eye opening for me personally. I don't know about all the people who listen to the podcast, but um, I hadn't really thought about the fact that a lobbyist might have multiple uh, accounts or multiple people that they work for. Um, and that's kind of like where I think sometimes you get a little concerned with the lobbyists. Are they really paying attention to my interests? But um, to back it up with showing up to the state house and, and getting to know uh, uh, what we're fighting for would be really cool. Uh, do you know how to like how can we find lobbyists? Is it like kind of LinkedIn, like get on LinkedIn and find a cannabis lobbyist here in Ohio? Or do I have to show up to a, a house bill meeting yes. and just meet them?
1: So all lobbies have to be registered through the state of Ohio. So if you go to Ohio, um, Ohio house, you you can look up underneath JLEC, you can look up all the, the lobbyists and you can do it by topic. Sometimes it's a little bit harder because most of the cannabis lobbyists are working for legal firms. So you'll see like a random name and you'd be like, well, how does this have to do with cannabis? But normally the firm is also representing a cannabis entity. So some, I know at least three lobbyists who do specifically for cannabis, one works with a firm, one works with a group of cultivation owners, like literally maybe 15 owners and they all have the same lobbyists. And then another one represents cannabis policy. So they all kind of all have their own niche, but they all are registered with the state
0: of Ohio that's really interesting and i uh didn't know that which is a, yet another testament as to why we need to have more com- conversations with state representatives like you because it's just so so eye opening in what we uh can or need to do um this question is is slightly selfish but then i think other people will be able to get something out of it um like Recently, a part of my company, I hosted something called Recycle Day, where we just tried to recycle as much cannabis packaging as we could because the State Board of Pharmacy won't allow us to do anything about it inside of dispensaries. And what happens is that even though the cannabis sector is usually made up of people who are already predispositioned to recycle, the actual products that we throw away are so small that they'll, make, they'll actually fall through the sorters that Rumpke uses. Um, Mm -hmm. And to get back to where my question actually is, is what kind of advice do you have to kind of um, get over that hurdle of pleasing the State Board of Pharmacy? I've had uh, some compliance friends from the space tell me that um, like SOPs and um, some just like, uh, I don't know, like a general outline of like how to accomplish it would probably be the smartest way to go about it.
1: Yeah, so I think people have to, for one, this might have to be a legislative fix and just as we talk about Senate Bill Nine, this is the time to bring those amendments to the table. Because if we keep on waiting for a rule change to happen through our medical board, it's not gonna happen. They have failed us in so many different ways. And that's why even now, Senate Bill Nine exists because it's a lot of things our medical board is just not addressing. And what you just said is just one of them. The things that should be an easy fix or it's not happening, it's not working well for the people supposed to be serving.
0: Are so we able- this
1: is the time. So anybody can come up with the amendment and say, hey, can this be submitted? And you can get somebody, as long as you convince somebody on the actual committee to um to and bring up the amendment, it can be introduced and then voted on by the committee. So anybody from the public can do that.
0: Uh the question I had was um are we able to join in on those meetings from our homes or do you have to show up in person every time?
1: So like if a Zoom like call. To- if you have to testify, testify. you can do it one way. You can do it in person or you can turn in a written testimony. And if you just go to our state website, ohiohouse.gov, and click on the committee option at the very top, there will be a PDF in a Word document if you want to submit testimony. You just need to turn it in 24 hours before the committee hearing.
0: With all that being said, and uh, just kind of like all the ideas that are floating around in my head, do you know any companies in Ohio that are, are currently trying to um, tackle this or or go out and educate the industry and the folks that uh, care about this? Like, I know we have the Ohio MCIA, I think is what it's called.
1: Yes, they're probably the largest ones. And I was actually about to say their names. They're probably the largest ones that represent a lot of the owners, as I like to call it. Um, when it comes to things, um, there's sometimes individual people who have their own concerns who are manufacturers or cultivation owners, and they have their own agenda that goes on, but no one has really taken a grasp. I do, I mean, I will always say, shout out to Tim Johnson. Um, he does lobby. He's a, um, another person who's lobbied on different particular social justice entities within cannabis about patient protection. And also about people's interactions with uh, the police and what that looks like. So um, he's not with a particularly a major firm. He kind of he is probably the only solo cannabis lobbyist that I know here within the state of Ohio. Yeah,
0: it would be really great to um, have a group of people together who uh, have experience working in the industry and consuming the plant within the industry, kind of uh, go to bat or represent us in in a few different ways. Not that uh, anybody isn't doing a, a good job on our behalf because. We obviously uh, haven't shown up to get changes made yet. So we've got to be content in some fashion or another. Um, Well, I know that you're really busy, and I have, uh, like, always try to keep a few things going on with these interviews. And I'm just like grasping at stuff because I don't understand how a supply chain would work for a state rep. Um, So what kind of do you think is worth talking about and towards the end of our interview here and kind of like getting people who listen to this podcast to hear,
1: you know, making sure that cannabis one day becomes legalized takes a lot of things that once weren't always in the dark. Um, We know that cannabis is an easy plant to be able to grow and it should be accessible because it can help people in a medical way, it helps people in a lot of different ways. And we should not miss out on good tax dollars because out of ignorance. And it's just time that we stop. We we legalize a plant. I think that's what people need to remember. We need to legalize a plant and bring more tax dollars to our state.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I sometimes have a tough time with the tax dollars ones just because I I want the plant to just be the plant. But at the same time, we do need... uh, just like medical it is a Trojan horse to kind of get the, the plant in, I understand the, the same idea behind taxes, and I don't even understand taxes, so.
1: Yeah, and it's obvious <laughs> the word taxes because we do know that cannabis in states, like obviously this is not a tomato, so it's not like we can bankroll a school district with seven tomatoes, but we can bankroll a whole school, school district with cannabis. So we have to use what we already have to get what we need to do to help our, our state and There's a lot of entities within our state, no matter if it's paying for, you know, higher ed education or primary, secondary schooling or helping more um, bring more access to different broadband within our communities. so many different things that our state could really use that money for if people just get out of the stone ages and stop criminalizing the plants.
0: Yeah, 100%. It takes a, a lot of education, a lot of stigma breaking. But at the same time, that is one of the, my favorite things that I got to do while working at the dispensary or having conversations like this is breaking stigmas because I came to this conversation very excited to speak with you. Uh, and I'm definitely more excited to speak with other state representatives and other politicians because uh, you have a, a really great disposition on uh, the plant and, and kind of like what we should do with it. Um, Do you think that All of the things that you support and represent kind of coincide with cannabis, because I know that I identify Um, with some of the issues that you um, speak on and find importance in them. You know, you're definitely like for educators, you're definitely for women, you're definitely for um, equity and things like that. And those are all things that uh, I care about and that get me in the circle around me to go and vote for somebody um, so yeah, do you do you think that we'll be able to see all of this kind of come up together? You know, we'll see a little bit of equity, and we'll see cannabis kind of get some recognition.
1: Equity, everything that I do re- relies so on that word equity. Particularly, cannabis is just one way to make sure that people feel seen, no matter if it's a returning citizen who's trying to look for a job, who had a, you know, sold a dime bag when they were a child, uh, or is the person who. Is dealing with Parkinson's and and they need this to kind of deal with the pain. I mean, there's so many people that are affected by it. So I want to make sure that people feel seen within our laws that we write because as a legislator, that's what we do. We write laws. So that's been my focus since day one with everything that I've done, no matter if it's the Kinship Care Bill of Rights or it's the Crown Act or I mean, just whatever. It's all about having access because something being, you know, available does not mean you have access, availability to, to be able to access it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that cannabis can um, bring a lot of equity to the table and it's really unfortunate that we, uh, and I don't mean you as in we, but a lot of people out there who will get into the legal side of cannabis and ignore the fact that we still have people in the states that are legal locked in prison for this plant from anywhere from a couple weeks to a couple months to full lifetime sentences and it's just uh, 100% not okay and 100% not right. Um, I think if we keep having conversations like this and, and getting ourselves out there, we'll be able to make some changes. Um, in the last couple of minutes that we're uh, on on the podcast, I usually ask uh, our interviewers to just kind of speak on what they think the future might need, which we did touch base a, a bit and then also use the time to shout out whoever they might want to. Um, so if you if you would oblige me so.
1: No problem. So the future will include cannabis. The future will include cannabis. It will include more products that have hemp, and I will tell you a lot of countries are way more far in advance than we are. I went to Japan, and they were using hemp, which is a cousin of cannabis, to filtrate their water. They were using it to make houses, and we have not even really tapped into all the things that um cannabis could could be doing here within the United States of America, not just here in Ohio. And we have to remember that everybody has a cannabinoid system and that cannabis actually just complements what's already in our body. So we cannot, you know, and three, no one has ever overdosed on cannabis. You cannot overdose on cannabis. So we have to be in a place of education because if we really want to expand adult use, there will be children who will be affected by it. We have to be in a place of educating people. And so that is key, you know, thank goodness for places like Vannellys who've been such a supporter for Harvest Ohio. I mean, I could keep going on and on of just um, cultivation places and manufacturers who have just been a resource of information for me, as well as for a lot of my other colleagues who, you know, have opened their doors and say, hey, this is a place that you can come and you can learn from us and just be a resource, so I'm very grateful. And they've opened up their doors to all the legislators, not just to me. And we just need to keep on working with them. And then also like Tim Johnson, his wife Wendy, who have been also lobbying across the state house and make sure you know certain bills that are getting passed are being affected by the people who've been affected the most, and no, those are patients. Um, so I know Tim has definitely been an influence on that by bringing the actual bill language for a lot of these bills you're seeing being introduced. He's Behind a lot of them, yeah. Um, and yeah. then, Please. And then also Allie Reeves, who works a lot in the nonprofit space with the Midwest Cana Women. Nicole Ross, who also um, works, um, has her own um, productions manufacturing place down at Trotwood, I believe. And so there's so many people who just open up their doors over and over and over into all of us illustrators who. I mean, a source of
0: information and resource here within the state of Ohio. Yeah, I um, was interrupting or trying to chime in just because I agree that all all of those people have been super helpful. Uh, Bill Williams, um, 100% Mm -hmm. is one of the reasons why you and I are having this conversation if it weren't for him, uh, like taking me out to lunch and just uh, letting me come see their building. I wouldn't be in the packaging space. The the Harvest of Ohio team, uh, Arian Kirkpatrick, and then mm-hmm. the people who operate the Ironton location um, have mm-hmm. all just been like so, so open to me personally uh, without even speaking to you. And then Allie Reeds is the same way. Allie uh, is somebody who was very, very nice to me throughout the whole process and has opened her doors and kind of like helped me uh, learn a few things about the industry or find ways to place myself and Uh, the really great thing I appreciate about Nicole is that I had gone out to Las Vegas for something called MJ BizCon, which is like a big thing for the cannabis space. And I was at this uh, like social function that was after, you know, the day's proceedings, and it was late at night. And uh, she was just a face that I caught in the crowd. And she made me feel super duper comfortable to just like be in that um, spot. So that's cool that you would shout out those people because I appreciate all of them as well. They're definitely a part of the reason I'm here. Um, and I I really have to thank you a bunch, uh, everything that you had to say in the interview is super eye-opening for me, and I hope for the people who listen, and it's definitely um, some motivation to get out there and and be a part of all of that stuff. I know um, Tim was at the last SB9 hearing. I'm sure he'll be at the one that is later this week, and hopefully we can convince people to get out more often.
1: Most definitely. Just remember, the state house is the people's house, so we don't exist without you.
0: Yep, 100% agree. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time and I look forward to speaking with you again.